and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with... Oh, it's one of those shows where none of the regular people showed up. It's just because of recording times, and uh, there were people who were interested, because I think I have an interesting topic today, but everyone was busy. So before I say the topic, I will invite my panel for today, just because otherwise I'm talking to myself, and that's always weird. I mean, not that I don't actually do it, but to publicly admit it. So never talk to myself. <laughs> welcome back. I was there, There's Nicole talking. Nicole, welcome back. You you frequently talk before I introduce you on the show, and it's fine because you've been here a million times. But Nicole Free. I'm sorry. Hey, it's fine. Oh, no, it's perfectly normal. How's it? Welcome back. You haven't been here since last week, I guess. <laughs> like you were here on the last show. Yes. Oh, I've missed you so much. Oh, so wonderful to you. be back. <laughs> Which we recorded in recording time like two days ago. So, but also, it's been a while. And I think the last time our other guest was on the show, Nicole was here as well. But Sarah, my good friend, Sarah. Hey, welcome back. Welcome, Heather. Well, why am I welcoming you? Oh, my God. I don't know. Hi. <laughs> I'm actually oh, thinking about the last. Right. I know. It's great. I work, I work here. I can't remember if the last time I was on was like in the before time. Yeah. Well, like, it was I when, don't remember. I think Bridgerton I, it was when Bridgerton had come out. And I don't. Was there Bridgerton before the pandemic? I don't actually no. remember anymore. I don't. Mm-mm. Yeah, so you came on to talk about the the TV show Bridgerton, and I was pretty sure that the pandemic started before Bridgerton. But yeah, <laughs> oh wow, that's so honestly so depressing. And, and honestly, when you were like, "Come back on," I was like, "Yeah, it's been like a few months since I did that," and then I was like, "Oh, I think it was two and a half years." Yeah, yeah. Just found this material. Yep. Yeah, Bridgerton. Yeah, the first season of Bridgerton was December twenty fifth, twenty twenty. So well into the pandemic. And oh, the yeah. second season was yeah. 2022, okay. March 25th. Oh, wow. It just seems like forever. Oh, God. But we're not talking. Well, we might talk about Bridgerton a little bit. It might be slightly related. And Hannah will be very sad that she's not here. But we are vaguely talking about, uh, and do not turn the episode off, but because of the thumbnail and the title, you might have seen that we are vaguely talking about the TV show Velma. But it's not just Velma. Because there were lots of hot take reviews on Velma. But this is this is an additional episode in the series that I've been called pour some blank on it. So we had an episode where it was like pour some gritty on it was was one episode we did. And I did an episode called pour some sexy on it where I talked about things like the show Riverdale where it's Archie, but, you know, sexy. That was the pitch for Archie. And we talked about what that meant. And this, is, I guess, my way of thinking of the show Velma and why it bugged me was. It's what I called pour some edgy on it. <laughs> like, like that was the pitch. It's like Velma. I mean, it's like Scooby-Doo, but but edgy. And I feel like that was as much explanation as happened in the in the pitch meeting for the show. And then when they said, we'll explain it. And someone said, well, you know, that show Harley Quinn that we have on HBO Max. And they're going, uh-huh. We're going to do that. But with Velma. And I think that's as much as like Mindy Kaling thought it through. And to me, it shows. And I wanted to talk about that. And then the reviews started coming in for Velma. You know, when I heard it pitched, I was like, eh, is this going to work? You know, but I'll give it a shot because it's, you know, it, it, it's content mm-hmm. and I'll watch anything as anybody who watches it, listens to our show knows. So I was willing to give it a shot, but the reviews came in and they were not there. <laughs> People do not seem to like this show. So I wrote about it and I said, OK, so this is what I'm going to do. And lo and behold, Sarah responded to the post where I said, you know, nobody likes the show. And you said, what? 
It's on secretly do. <laughs> I know that. I am like almost embarrassed to admit it with the vitriol that is swirling around it. But I see this show as something not taking itself seriously. And that to me is why it's funny. I think it's making fun of all of those shows. But mm. yeah. So oddly, because everybody's talking about it like it's, oh, it's the worst reviewed show ever. It's not. It's got a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not good, but 42% is, you know, double like digits. <laughs> yeah. And fresh needs to be a 60. And it, you know, it's, it, it is a show that critics mostly don't like, but it is not. That's 42% is not being critically panned. 42% is, you know, negative, a little negative. It's got a 6% audience score, which means the fans are probably <laughs> shitty on it. But scores at Rotten Tomatoes are not great because in general, audience scores get tanked a lot, particularly if anything is too feminist or well, woke right. at all. But especially if it's woke in quotes at all, but especially if it's if it's got it's got if it's created by a woman or stars a woman, there's a lot of people like, well, stop pushing the woke agenda down our throat. And, you know, and they review bomb it to hurt it as though, first off executives were stupid and they didn't know that was happening. You know, executives have the internet. They understand how review bombing works. It's already been renewed for season two because it really doesn't matter what your Rotten Tomatoes audience score is. No one cares. No one gives a fuck. What they care about is actual ratings and its ratings are actually pretty decent because even if you're only hate watching it, it's still watching it. And that's all that David Zaslav cares about. (laughs) So David Zaslav (laughs) is in charge of this and he's, oh, Okay, sure. And Zaslav doesn't give a fuck if something's woke or not. Zaslav canceled Batwoman, Batgirl. So, and Batwoman, actually. <laughs> but, but yeah, he's not, he's, yeah, he's not, that's not his agenda. It is, it is weird in that I consider Velma to be the show that has united the internet because I've been doing a deep dive of watching reviews, video reviews, and reading reviews. And it is interesting because of all the popular reviews and not the big name critics are mostly in the middle. They're, you know, they're in the middle training a little negative, hence the 42%. But anybody who has a YouTube show or anybody who has their own blog posting to Reddit, everyone hates the show. And they either hate the show because it's too edgelordy or they hate the show because it's too woke. So they have united the right and the left in hatred of the show, which I think is absolutely amazing. There's people like, oh, Mindy Kaling, she's such a, you know, this is just, I've seen a lot of reviews where this is Mindy Kaling pushing her conservative agenda. And this is Mindy Kaling pushing her liberal agenda. And I'm like, huh, you're clearly not reading each other's reviews. This is just me. I'm the only person looking at all this, but it's Mm -hmm. been absolutely amazing. And Nicole, you hadn't seen it before we said we're going to do the show. Correct. So I'm, I'm only on episode three. Okay. And what did you think? Let me preface this by saying I adore things that are bad. I watch Commando <laughs> unironically. Okay. Oh, Commando, Commando okay. Flash Gordon. Oh, Flash Gordon's actually all, good, though. Flash, Gordon's a, Flash yeah. Gordon's a good movie. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> all sorts of just cheesiness. I'm there. Okay. And I think I kind of agree with you, Mav, that there are things where it feels like it's it has potential and I can see what Sarah is saying about how it seems like it's sort of mocking the, it, I mean, it clearly is. It's making fun of all of these tropes, but I think what has struck me so far is that it seems just a touch mean spirited, mm-hmm. right? If you're 
if you're poking fun at it, you also have to be sort of enjoying it at the same time. I mean, I mean that you're more of a, you know, let's all laugh at this together. It's, it reminds me a little bit of, and I know I'm going to, okay, I'm setting myself up on this one, but it reminds me of Mark Millar. Because okay. Mark Millar doesn't seem to actually like comics, despite all no. of the comics that he writes. Yes, he seems to hate them. That's the feel of it for me, is that it has potential. And there were some things that I thought were funny, but it just seems kind of too mean. Yeah. And so, like I said, yeah. I am only partly through. I, yeah, I think so. that's fair, honestly. Sarah, what about you? Yeah. I actually do kind of agree with that. And maybe that's just the cynic in me that's, yeah, I know that's why it's great. Because I don't know, like in some ways it is sort of like a little mean girl. Like she, I mean, she smells a bitch, like an utter yeah, bitch. Awful. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's she awful. awful. So, you know, I don't think there's anybody out there that's like rooting her, which is mm-hmm. an interesting choice for your main character. But at the same time, you're, for me, I'm just like, Oh, right. You're so ridiculous that this is a like it for me, it goes into the realm of like completely absurd. And it's campy. Like it's just camp. Like their brains have been removed like surgically in a completely straight line. That's not how anybody murders <laughs> anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it has that same like Scooby Doo camp, right? Because Scooby Doo is also kind of ridiculous if you think about that. And that's kind of against for me, like, why it's silly. It's like a little bit of, uh, it's not Grand Scooby Doo, because that's not it at all, but it mm-hmm. just, like, it's trying to be absolutely absurd. And I think it's succeeding. It's like, well, it's like in the same way that you find out, you know, because Constance Wu is voicing Daphne that she's Asian, we can't necessarily tell until she says yeah. it. The reason why she has red hair is revealed, and it's like stupid. Like, it's just stupid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The show is frequently stupid, and I, and I kind of wonder if the people who are criticizing it for being stupid don't get that. So I'll give I'll give a preference. I don't like Jackass, the Jackass, the TV show. I don't care for the films. I've seen them. I think they're dumb. I know some mm-hmm. people love them. I, some people absolutely adore yeah. them. I similarly don't care for Monty Python, which, you know, obviously Monty Python has done just well for the last several, you know, what, five, six decades without me caring for them. You know, like the Monty Python guys are doing great. They don't care. But every time I watch Monty Python, I go, this is really dumb and not for me. But I get that it's dumb. I I get that the humor is dumb. The joke is that everyone is dumb. And I, I don't always like that. On the other hand, you know, like Nicole mentioned, Flash Gordon, I love. I unabashedly love that Flash Gordon. Because it's one it of is my a masterpiece movies. of movie making. <laughs> yes, it is great. And, I, and yes, it's like you can't take it seriously, and it knows. And that one works for me. I think Mindy Kaling understands that Velma is unlikable, and that's the joke. And once I let go of that, I can actually enjoy the series for what it is. I'm going to finish watching at least this season because I'm sort of intrigued by the mystery of it. Like she did draw me in, mm-hmm. but it, it is hard because the main character is unlikable. And even when she learns lessons and becomes slightly better, she's so unlikable 
that she's never going to get any better. And to be fair, like, it, it reminds me of sort of something like, I don't know, don't trust the bitch in apartment 23, right? Like, she's unlikable. That's the point. But you get away with it because the word bitch is in the title, right? You know, like people knew what they were going for. And I, and there's, I don't know that it's unfair to just say that she's unlikable. Walter White is unlikable, right? There's a, there's lots of main characters who are unlikable. I think that people want her to be Velma, the classic Scooby-Doo character. And she's not like Mm -hmm. at all. And I think that, so I think with the unlikability part, you know, it's, this is a reimagining. I'm a big fan of Riverdale. They're not the same Archie kids. And once you get past the fact that they're not the same Archie kids, then everything's got to be off the table. Right. And I think for me, like what I find somewhat interesting and I won't say necessarily subversive, but what I find really curious about the world that she's building is that with as ridiculous and as dumb and you know, mumbling as everybody seems to be, right? Because her dad is ridiculous. And his, is it his wife? The girl, pregnant girl? Yeah, girlfriend. She's ridiculous. Like the whole concept that the cool thing about the diner is that people are allowed to have sex in the bathroom. I mean, it's absurd. But when she, tra- like, when she tries to shame Daphne by reading her diary and basically says, she goes to therapy and the entire audience is like, well, mental, that's great. Mental health is important. You know what I mean? To me, that was hilarious because you're expecting, I think she's making interesting points, like buried in the fact that it, everything, everybody in this town is dumb as fuck. <laughs> I don't know. That's just the way I read it. Well, I admit, I also liked the fact that Daphne didn't get shamed for that, right? I mean, it, so again, like, I think it has, there's some good things. I just, I don't know. It, <laughs> maybe it's because Velma was my favorite that I sort of feel yeah. like that I'm, I guess I'm looking for, I'm like hoping she'll become less of an unreasonable bitch. I don't mind a character being a bitch if there's a reason for it. I don't think there is. I think the reason for it is that some people are bad. And so here's where I think it is. And this is why I said, I think the, this is why I titled this episode, pour some edgy on it. And I'm going to distinguish between gritty and edgy here. I would consider Riverdale a gritty reboot of Archie. I think it is intended to go, look, we're starting with the Archie IP, but we're going, Hey, what if we had a different world, a very dark world where It's a film noir world, and this is where we have to go from. And what are the things that develop there? So we're still going to do a story arc, but what if we had to develop this from scratch in this ridiculous, gloomy world that's sexy, that is everything about the CW turned up to 11, right? That's that Mm -hmm. is the premise of Riverdale. Mm -hmm. And it gets ridiculous. I'm like when I say it's best show on television, I am fully aware of how ridiculous everything on (laughs) Riverdale is. But it's sort of what I enjoy about, it, right? Like I enjoy that mm-hmm. there, no one would say that there's no storyline of Archie. Like the storyline absolutely takes precedence over everything else to the point that their characters sometimes make no sense because they're just trying to do some ridiculous. They're like, look, we have to get to the point where they fight the comet. So what do we have to do in order to get the, in order to get all the pieces in place so that the comet fight can happen? That is a decision that the producers of Riverdale made. 
So I understand that and I understand why it's not for everybody. What I didn't like about I think about like something like Jackass or I'll even I'll pick something ruder. Like I've, I've never cared for Beavis and Butthead because the joke of Beavis and Butthead is, oh, look, they're being obnoxious. That's the point. It's not like they're being obnoxious to the point where something comes of it. I'm a big fan of the Harley Quinn TV show, which is also on HBO Max. And she's obnoxious, but they're trying to tell certain stories through this obnoxious character. And I don't feel when I watch Velma that the story comes first. I feel like it's there, but I don't feel it comes first. So I feel like the very first thing they do when they do a script is, okay, something edgy has got to happen. Okay, what if we see Daphne naked here? That's where we start. So now we're starting with the fact that we're going to see Daphne naked. Now work backwards. What happened? Okay, something edgy's got to happen. What if people swear? Now work backwards. What can they swear about? Like it feels like edgy is the point first. And this is 90s comics for you. This is like at the point where we made something, we made Watchmen, which is a brilliant deconstruction of the genre. They made they made Dark Knight. And then people were like, hey, those are really popular. So I can make superheroes that kill, too. So we're going to start with the fact that he kills and that he swears and that he has sex. And then what do we do from there? It's the difference between liking Bridgerton, which I think is gritty and lots of other shows that are trying to be Bridgerton, which are not gritty. They're edgy. They're, hey, what if people had sex in Victorian times? All right. Now what? And it's like. They did have sex in Victoria. Like it's that's where I feel like the show is losing me a little bit. Now they're can I, actually can I, ask, I was gonna say, can yeah. I ask just for my frame of reference? So would you call the CW's Nancy Drew? Is that gritty? I'd say as that's opposed gritty. to edgy. Yes. Yeah, I, in fact, it's often not I mean, I think it, I think things can be both, but like Nancy Drew, yes. the first three or four shows of Nancy Drew felt like Okay, this is Nancy Drew, but she fucks. And like they were, and the first we talked about this on the on that on the episode where we talked about Nancy Drew. The first three or four episodes of the new Nancy Drew, the entire point of this is supposed to be: look, Nancy Drew is hot. We got Kenny McMahon. How often can we see her in her bra? And like this, and that's the point of the show. It's Nancy Drew, but she's hot. And the and then it wasn't working. And halfway through that first season. The show very obviously soft reboots and it just becomes the X-Files and it's good. (laughs) Like it's, it is very good at being the X-Files and now it's, Hey, what if we do the X-Files except for the lead as a hot 19 year old instead of, you know, I mean, actually they're hot on the X-Files too, but instead of hot 30 somethings, she's 19. That's That's the show now. And they, you know, so the ridiculousness that is Nancy Drew is just, you know, pretty on par with like actual Nancy Drew mysteries that have always been there, except for there's a real supernatural element like ghosts are real in this world. And beyond that, she's just a she's just a woman solving mysteries, you know, and if she like there's it's sexy. If she decides to have a love scene with her boyfriend in one of the episodes, you know, you get to see her in a bra again because she's attractive and it's a love scene. But that doesn't feel like the point anymore. And those first few episodes, it very much did seem like the point was like, hey, we want you to we want you to be horny for Nancy Drew seemed like the first two or three episodes. So I think it changed. Yeah. Okay. I totally get the distinguish the distinguishing factor between like plot driven versus like edgy driven. So let me ask you South South Park. Yeah. 
where would that because I feel like South Park, based on this qualification, was a was just like let's have small children, let's have cartoon swear, and then make incredible road jokes. But yet mm-hmm. has become one of the longest lived, most like mm-hmm. critically, I don't know if it was actually critically acclaimed, but people love it. I mean, I mean, I think yeah. it's mm-hmm. probably past its prime now, but there was a while there where like it I would sit so and watch well. it with my family. Like, it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I would say South Park is edgy first. I just think Matt and Trey are very good at it. And I, I think they're masters. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's even bad to be an edgy show, right? Like Beavis and Butthead people love South Park. I think does a lot more with their edginess. I have seen it recently. I've seen the ones that they've, their shows that they've done criticizing COVID and COVID protocols. I don't necessarily agree with, with their political statement 100%, but I think that the shows have been excellent. Like they've done a very good job of doing the thing that they're doing. So I think you can make something out of edgy, but I would say that they are absolutely being edgy first on South Park. And I think that, you know, Parker and Stone, really good at doing it. So they've brought people along for the line and maybe Kayling's just not quite as good. Now, I mean, I she's good enough that I'm sticking around for the line, but I'm, a you know, like I, I'll watch something just because it's culturally interesting. Even for, you know, there's some stuff that I watch because it's corny and I like Nicole, I like corny stuff. But also there's a lot of stuff that I watch just because, hey, Maybe there's a show in this. Maybe there's a maybe there's an actual academic paper in this. And so I end up watching mm-hmm. a lot of things that like that other people would give up for really quickly. I don't think it's like people are talking about this. You know, again, it's tiny audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. People are like, this is the worst thing on television. No, it's not. Television's big. <laughs> I can point you at some real. It's like when people I have. I've always talked about this. In fact, I did You know, talk about doing a paper. I did a paper at PCA on Iron Fist. And I said during that presentation, people called this the worst show on television, which is disingenuous because it came out the same year as Inhumans. It's clearly a worse <laughs> show. And I mean, objectively, I, Iron Fist is just better than Inhumans. And to say it's yes, not. I can't, you know, I can't argue that. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. You might not have liked Iron Fist and Iron Fist might have done a lot of things that offended you. It might, Iron Fist might, might have done a lot of things wrong, but it wasn't the worst show on television. And, I, and frankly, neither was Inhumans because I can point you at some garbage. It wasn't good. But, Iron, but Inhumans was clearly worse than Iron Fist. And I think that there are garbagey edgelord shows that are worse than Velma. Velma is trying to do something interesting and I think misses the mark on things every once in a while because she wants to go for the snide joke and it gets in the way of her message sometimes. And I don't think it's necessarily that the message doesn't want. I mean, I. It's also that the message might not be what most people want because people sort of people who are complaining from the liberal side want her to be more woke. Almost I, like I've seen a lot of complaints where people are there. They keep saying this is the mo- this shows too woke. But is it? No, it's not. She's awful. She's she is kind of, you know, like she is it what is she woke or is she Indian? She's of South Asian descent. Right. <laughs> but I don't think she's supposed to be particularly great about any of those things she's just brown (laughs) she's also awful she's you know she's not running around saving the environment she's not fighting for the rights of the underprivileged there's none of that she's kind of kind of just a bitch as you said right which means it's real representation (laughs) yeah Yeah, right it's so so i guess i guess there's something to it i do think that the fact that people are critical of it where they're not critical 
of the Harley Quinn show speaks to a difference in in quality because I think Harley Quinn is trying to do many of the same things. She is aggressively rude. She is politically incorrect and she's also bisexual. So that's a thing, I guess, you know, you know, you know I, yeah. like I, I, and I guess like people are like, it really feels like they took notes from that in order to do the Velma show to me. Like, oh, well, bye. Being bi is edgy, right? Right? Check. Hello? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah, it's kind of that. Yes. Because mm-hmm. the question I want to ask Nicole, because you mentioned that Velma is your favorite. And so you don't know if that is coloring your judgment. I mean, and listen, I'm not saying this is the best show on TV by any means. So let me yeah. say with that. But I have seen some criticism from people, which, to be fair, I feel like maybe was criticism that just said if you're going to do a completely different like why even make it exist in Scooby-Doo land at all just invent new characters and have your weird mystery thing mm-hmm. and I guess my question is if you, if there wasn't the tie to the IP would you how would you would that change your opinion in any way I think that I think the tone is still a little bit off for me I mean I'm as a longtime comics reader, I'm mm-hmm. perfectly okay with somebody picking a character and putting a brand new spin on it. Because each time, you know, each time the title gets a new writer, it's a quote, you know, bold new direction, all caps, mm-hmm. right? So I'm okay with, let's hear Velma's backstory. Hey, make her different. Make her complicated. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, she wasn't. None of the Scooby gang was exactly complicated at the time. Right. right. So, so yeah, I don't think it was I actually, I was like, Hey, and you know, Scooby, let's, I want to like it, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't, I don't hate it. <laughs> That's I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm only like you, Matt, if I start watching, I'll probably, I generally try to give things a full season. Because sometimes I think, just like you said with Nancy Drew, is that it takes time to to kind of gel things together and get your cast and get your writers and you know who interacts well with who and to sort of find your footing. And this is why, you know, it used to be shows would get a season. And sometimes it didn't start out well, but by the end of the season the show was something everybody loved. But now if things aren't a hit within the first couple of episodes, they get canceled. And I feel like they don't get a chance. So I'm very willing to, if I'm going to watch it, okay, hit me. I'll buckle in for the whole thing. Right. So that's why I'm saying I don't hate it. And I think it's Mm -hmm. trying to do some things that, that I you know, find interesting. I will say that within the first, what, like 10 seconds when it's Mm -hmm. cockroaches pumping. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I went, what? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Hey, not just that they're in the background, but that's the focus of the camera. Let's watch the cockroaches fuck. That's that, and that was my thing with it, right? That's why I'm saying it clear. That says nothing. It says, "Hey, this is gonna be 
this is not your grandma's Scooby Doo. Right. This is it. That's like what they're. That's all. But that's the only point of it, right? Like, there's no joke to it. Yeah. Like the jokes yeah. to it. You is, are going to be small. Well, you're going to be so disappointed when like cockroach and TV is the reason that people are being murdered, and it was an important right. part of the plot. Yeah, I mean, and maybe, and maybe it's like brilliant. And maybe well, because it's like every time they find a dead body, they are cockroaches. So maybe you heard it here right. first. Sarah called it. <laughs> and, if that, and if you know, and if that's the case, then we do a follow up show. And sure, right? But it really feels to me like what happened was they sat down in the writers' room and said, "Well, how do we start the show?" And somebody said, "What if we started on a shot of cockroaches? Cockroaches fucking why?" Yes. Because it would be cool. And it'd be like, funny. It feels, yeah. Yeah. And it feels like that's where they started. And I'm like, I guess I don't understand why I care about that, but it feels like that was the starting point. And then it, and then work backwards from there. There's some stuff that I really love about this. I will say, animation wise, I think they're doing interesting things. Mm-hmm. I like when a show, and yes, I get that they're all done on computers, but I like when a show looks for the look of traditional 2D animation because I missed that. And it's doing that, but it's also got its own visual style. Like, you know, we talked about the fact that it's not obvious that Daphne is Asian. You know, if you recognize her voice, if you are a fan of Constance Wu, the actress, then you go, huh, that's Constance Wu's voice. Okay. And then like later there's a throwaway line of, well, obviously I'm adopted because you know, I've got two moms, one's white and one's black, and I'm Asian. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you are? Okay. Yeah. But, and if you pay attention, she's, I don't know how to say it other than pointier drawn eyes than the other characters. But since it's not an animation style that you're used to in any other thing, it's not clear that's, that they're trying to do a more Asian look, looking eye. But like, compared to what? Because none of them look actually human. So it's, you know, how do you tell which characters are Asian and which characters are not in like traditional manga style drawing? And you kind of mm-hmm. don't. It's just everyone has Mickey Mouse eyes. And I feel like that's what's happening here. But I'm fine with that. I, I have no problems with it. My problems with the show for me are often that I feel every time something happens, I go, oh, you could have done something interesting. There's these there's lots of jokes about feminism. There's lots of jokes about gender Mm -hmm. identity and sexuality. And I feel like there'll be like, you know, a sexuality thing will be like, oh, and then two girls kissed. So moving on. And I'm like, no. So as a spoilers for the show. Spoiler alert. So early on. There's a, or not early on, I think it's on the, in the third episode where Daphne and Velma kiss and you're like, oh, okay. So they are going to be by because the show had earlier tried to make you think that even though people have been pushing for Velma to be gay for, you know, years now and in some recent adaptations, she has been here. They were like, hey, let's make her by. And after implying that she wasn't earlier. So you're like, oh, okay, that's going to be a thing. And maybe something interesting will happen with it. And now it's been three episodes and it's just been a joke that I don't care about. That's Mm -hmm. not interesting. Now, maybe it's going somewhere because if you're like a 15 year old girl figuring out your sexuality, probably you shouldn't have it all figure it out with one kiss the way often happens in TV shows. So maybe (laughs) they're doing something more interesting. But right now it just feels like. It was done for the surprise. Velma and Daphne are going to kiss after all. 
And so, so I don't know what else to do with it beyond that. But I am intrigued. I am intrigued enough to keep watching, which is why I kind of secretly expect many of the people who are complaining watched maybe that first episode and then we're just out. And that first episode was great. Like it did. I like the fact that they dropped two at once, I think was a good idea for them because I, you know, didn't get off the couch. And so it just auto played the next one. And then by the next one, I was like, Like I did find it did feel like it had, like I started to unplate for me. I started to go, oh, I get it now. Whereas you weren't exactly sure there because it's only half an hour, right? Mm-hmm. I will compare it. I wonder. This is a so this is a, another show for people who are fans of the Scooby Doo lore, and that's the other thing. I don't think most people are as invested in the Scooby Doo lore as they're pretending to be in order to show the outrage. Right. About, How dare you, sir? Uh- Turn yeah. her, like, like when's the last time I will I was visiting Sarah once when we first ran into Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated in 2010 which I <laughs> loved as kind of a not a, not exactly a gritty re- reboot of Scooby-Doo and but it was edgier in that it was trying to do an updated an updated version of Scooby-Doo for a 2010s kid Rather than, you know, 1978 kid or whatever Scooby-Doo. I don't remember when Scooby-Doo actually premiered, probably seven, earlier 70s. And there are bits in it like the fact that that Shaggy and Velma are clearly having sex is pretty obvious. And like Sarah and I were watching it on a Saturday morning going, what the? F- wow. Wait, are they? <laughs> you know, yeah. there are there are lots and lots of homoerotic Fred jokes that we were noticing. And it's like. Are they being okay? That one was on purpose. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that Mm -hmm. happening where he's let's wrestle. And you're like, really? Okay. (laughs) You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. And I like that. So to me, that was the good version of this, but I, it shouldn't be, you know, I don't want to be tied to that. Let Mindy Kaling, you know, let her do her own artistic statement such that it is. Not everything has to be for for everybody. This can be like Monty Python is to me, like where I'm like, I don't care about any of this. You know, you don't have to care about this show. Well, so then to go slightly seen that version, but now I'm interested. Mm-hmm. So it's really uh, good. It ran two. It ran uh, two years, and the producers of it have said that on the third year they would have turned Velma lesbian, which is aware a lot. There are hints that she might be considering mm-hmm. sexuality. There's a character that's introduced in the second season that there's flirty looks and stuff between Velma and the other female character. So it's implied that she might be at least by curious if nothing else and then the producers after cancellation were like no that was one of the problems we really wanted her to be lesbian and you know there was pushback from you know or the, or the, I should say the showrunners so yeah. yes exactly it started in 1969 by the way okay so just before oh, wow. I, so okay that makes sense it's, yeah because it, it does the original show does have a very 70s vibe so yeah 69 was the beginning of the 70s <laughs> i'd say that the 70s i think the 70s progressed you know, started a little bit before the 70s and progressed, you know, into at least 1982 or so. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, like, what, like, how about Because okay. I feel like a lot of the criticism, I don't personally think it was edgy, but I feel like a lot of the criticism on She-Hulk that people had was oh. when it was doing quote-unquote edgy things, right? Like, I remember the whole yes. thing where she was working. People were like, yeah. oh, and, and I think they're well, lying. <laughs> I feel like, well, first of all, the people complaining that I'm like, okay, go read Burns' run on She-Hulk. I mean, come on. 
Or any of the more recent ones, too. Or, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I kind of felt like that, too, Mav, that it was they were complaining to complain, not that that I didn't hear a lot of complaints that I thought were super legitimate. I mean, you know, I mean, OK, complaints about Iron Fist. Yeah, I didn't really like guy playing the lead. I didn't think he did a great job. I loved some of the supporting characters, but, mm-hmm. you know. So, so, you know, sometimes things can have, they can have criticisms that you're like, yeah, I can see that, but I don't know. So one of the, one of the complaints with Iron Fist, like one of the complaints that people had with Iron Fist was there was a very liberal complaint that this is cultural appropriation and they should have cast an Asian guy for the lead. And the problem I said, it was what I pointed out in my story and what I pointed out in my article about it, my, my paper about it, PCA, Iron Fist is a culturally appropriative story. That's the story of Iron Fist. Like the fact that he's white is very important to the character. I know because I've read them all because I, you know, in order to do that, well, like not he to is mention- a clueless white dude. And that's in the original version. Now, could you have yeah. a different story? Yes. That's called Legend of Shang-Chi, which I adore, which I love more than Iron Fist and which they've now made a movie of. But like the actual story of Daniel Rand is about a white guy who makes yeah. a lot of mistakes, like even in the seventies and eighties, particularly once he hooks up with Misty Knight, Luke Cage and Colleen Wing, Danny just makes dumbass, insensitive mistakes literally all the time. And maybe you don't want it to be that story and that's fine. You don't have to like everything. So I was okay with iron fist in that. I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was trying to do a thing. I don't think the actor did the best job. But whatever, you know, again, I just watched Inhumans. Well, so much better than that. The other thing is, okay, so what are we going to do? We're going to recast him. And so now he's going to be Asian because, yeah. wow, all Asians know martial arts. Right, right. There's not a good, there's I mean, not a good way around it. I get, and that's, I mean, I don't know that there has to be, but then you do stuff like, I'm trying to think, like the She-Hulk thing, I think that people just want to be able to complain. I don't think there were that many people who were, from the left-leaning viewpoint who watched She-Hawk and were like, oh, how dare they have her twerk? And like, well, sometimes people twerk. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It, like, do you really care about, the, care about that? And, you know, yeah. on the first episode where she makes the joke about Captain America fucks, I mean, I, I, there's no way anybody listening to our show had a problem with that joke because <laughs> that's the kind of joke that I make all the time. You know, no. literally, that's just her being me. So, obviously, I thought it was hilarious. But... I, one of the big criticisms I've seen of Marvel stuff from people is they're going, well, you know, they need to slow down because there's too much stuff. And how do you watch it all? You don't watch it all. Right. I don't read, you know, like I don't read all comic books. I can't. It's just mm-hmm. it's impossible for anybody to read all comic books. I was for a while. I was watching every superhero show on the air because it was relevant to my dissertation work. But now that's <laughs> over. If I if I'm if something if I'm not enjoying something, I just stop watching it. And you can do that. You don't have to. And I'll miss part of the story. But you always were. And you know how I know? Because nobody saw Cloak and Dagger except for me. Cloak and Dagger was excellent. Did you know there was a Cloak and Dagger TV series that was in the Marvel Universe? Yeah. Yes. It was really good. Oh, yeah. I couldn't access it. <laughs> oh, it's really yeah, good. Where was it? It was on Freeform. I believe. <laughs> Let me double check that, actually. But I watched them all. I watched them and I watched the Runaway series, which was just OK. And there's a crossover. Cloak and Dagger crossover with Runaways because it's all and the Cloak and Dagger series 
crosses over into Luke Cage and Iron Fist. So it's part of that Netflix universe, except where it's not on the shows. And therefore it was part of, I mean, whether or not, you know, there's always a problem with how connected is, are the Netflix shows and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to the greater MCU. And that was always problematic, but nobody saw Cloak and Dagger. I loved it. It was great. And if you get a chance, you should go out and catch it. (laughs) But, and it was, I mean, that was one where I don't know. I don't know that it was, I don't know if I'd call it gritty or edgy because it's kind of weird. It was very much, it was very aimed at teens, you know, but it was dark, but Cloak and Dagger was always dark. And it's probably less gritty and edgy than the comic because the comic, you know, the source material is about a girl who walks around with a shirt that's open to, you know, her belt well past her navel her navel yeah she basically it's just literally she's dagger's costume is not humanly viable yeah yeah it can't it can't it does not work in the laws of physics so she would have to be like wandering around with like lots of tape in order to do it so it doesn't so they changed it but the show they really like the show like the show a lot so i don't know i think you can do I think you can do interesting things. And I think maybe Cloak and Dagger got away with doing a lot of really interesting, like making a lot of statements about, I mean, it it tries to deal with a lot of racial issues. It tries to deal with a lot of class issues. Really a lot of class issues are wrapped up in in the Cloak and Dagger show. It tries to, it talks about religion and the viability of voodoo, essentially as a real religion. It's excellent. And like I kind of, you know, that's what I really like in a TV show, but nobody saw it. So maybe that's kind of why they got away with stuff. And then compare that to something that like this Velma thing, I think it just hit the zeitgeist because people wanted to be able to complain about right. it. But I mean, I don't know. They tried something different. And I wonder if, you know, I don't think I don't think everybody would love Doom Patrol if they saw it. But Doom Patrol's yeah. got a smaller audience. I like yeah. Doom Patrol a lot. But Doom Patrol, mm-hmm. nobody was watching. So they don't realize that there is so much that happens in Doom Patrol that probably is based on edgy first. Like there's an episode where it's like, OK, we don't know how we're going to get there. But by the end of this episode, everyone on the show needs to have an orgasm. OK, so how do we get there? And that, and, and that is. And as silly as that sounds, so have you seen all of Doom Patrol, Nicole? Or at least the first no, season? Not all of it, no. Okay. I have not seen well, the latest season, so no. <laughs> okay, well, in the first, in, that's in the first season. In the first season, there's literally okay. an episode where it's an episode, it's an episode where they meet Flex Mentalo, and it's one's going oh, to orgasm yeah. on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and that's clearly the point of the show. And, and it's clever how they get there, but that's clearly the moment that they're building to in order to like reverse engineer it. And I love Doom Patrol. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I think so, you know, watch it on HBO Max or don't. You know, you don't have to watch everything. I like a lot of superhero shows right now. I think it's a good time to like geek media, but you don't mm-hmm. have to watch it all. It's okay for things to be bad. Not everybody has to watch Manimal. It's just there for me. <laughs> well, actually, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm... Like if you contrast the the current the Jack Ryan series with John Krasinski and just it's, it, it just occurred Which to me because I watched because I watched Hunt for Red October the other night mm-hmm. and I think about you know the Hunt for Red October and Patriot Games and Clear and President you know those the early ones compared mm-hmm. to the series you might say that is sort of a 
you know, let's pour gritty on it kind of thing. The I'm rewatching the first couple of seasons because it'd been a while. And so I wanted to refresh myself before I watched the most recent one. I like it. I mean, it's not a, it's not a cheerful kind of show. It's not, it's a drama, clearly. I mean, it's not a, you know, you're going to have a rollicking good time. And I think that might have been some of the struggle at first, because of course people think John Krasinski and think The Office. And so they were mm-hmm. like, what, what is this? This is dark. But, uh, but I think, but I mean, I think, you know, again, I'm okay with it. Okay. Do something new, put a new spin on it. Cause they've done different things with that character. They tried to do one, you know, with Chris Pine a decade ago when they did mm-hmm. a new movie of that, right. Mm-hmm. To make that one darker and grittier. And I don't, I don't know. You know what I think I, always counts? Like I would say, all of the Zack Snyder universe DC oh. stuff, like which I don't care for, and and it has its fans. And this is not the kind of yes. criticism that, like, like a lot of times, I can give you specific reasons why I don't think the movies are good. But I'm not even trying to do that. I'm saying that a lot of the people who like the Snyderverse like it because no, this is awesome. Superman kicks fucking butt, dude. That rules. And if that's what you're looking mm-hmm. for, I think there's a place for that media, right? There's, did you mm-hmm. see how badass it was when Superman flew through the wall and he could beat anybody? And I don't, don't care. I'm thinking about the Black Adam movie, which just, you know, yeah. kind of didn't do well. But if you listen to The Rock talk about it, The Rock doesn't understand. Dwayne Johnson doesn't understand why the criticism's there because he's because his point to making Black Adam is. No, this is just, this is a different kind of superhero. This is a superhero who kills. This is a superhero who's badass. He's just as strong as Superman, but he kills. And I'm like, yeah, but so does Superman. I, didn't you see the other movies? That's to me, they're not, they're not functionally different. Like literally everything about them is, just, yeah, we know all superheroes kill now. It's just been a thing, you know, since the Nolan Dark Knight movies. We know mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of more clever when there's one who doesn't, <laughs> you know, but like, but he doesn't get that. He really, like to him, He's like, what everybody wants to see is now everybody wants to see Superman and Black Adam fight. Everybody wants to see that because that will kick ass. And something kicking ass is just not a thing that I look for. And but I don't think it's bad if you do. I think if people look for it, it's fine. Yeah, I my objection to the whole, you know, Man of Steel, Superman kills was that it was just lazy writing. Yeah, yeah. It was we're going to beat you over the head with Christ imagery for two hours. But then we're going to have him snap his neck. You know, Jesus snaps the neck of the Pharisees. (laughs) Maybe I missed that part of the Bible. Okay. That was the edgy version of Jesus. Oh my God. What if we could, if we did a gritty reboot of Jesus, that would be so, Oh God. Could somebody give me. I'm sorry. Not Jesus Christ vampire hunter. No, I want to do it for real. I want somebody to give me $200 million to just film like an epic, you know, Snyderverse, you know, Dune quality. Just give me all the money. Yeah, I'm. but I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to have pipe hitting Jesus just running around. Just Jesus with an Uzi. People will love it. (laughs) Just like. Yeah, some people will love it. Some people will love it. I, I think that's I, gonna I be like it. Gerard Butler playing that or something. <laughs> so. Oh. so wait, I was just gonna say to me that's an interesting segue though, because I think that the crux of maybe all of this edginess, 
like conversation is audience, right? Because you mentioned Cloak and Dagger and you said, oh, but it was really aimed for teens. So it wasn't as edgy as it, right? And it's okay. So then is it really that perhaps there is an intended audience and sometimes that audience just doesn't materialize or they miss the mark completely on who they think their audience is going to be and they're writing for the wrong people? I wonder, I don't know that, I mean, I don't know that Cloak and Dagger wasn't edgy just because it was aimed for teens. I think it was probably edgier because adults don't know that Freeform's a network. Like, if people don't know it's there. They don't, there's a lot of, I mean, they, cle- they clearly are sexually active. There's very obvious drug use. There's straight up, you know, satanic worship and murder. They just don't show her boobs because, frankly, because the outfit is just entirely impractical if you've never seen the cloak and dagger <laughs> the cloak and dagger there's just not there's not a real way to put a human woman in that outfit so so they just didn't do that and they you know they wear regular clothes they kept the budget down both of them wear regular clothes so i get why they did that but i think i think it was kind of edgy i think that but i do think you're oh, right was about it edgy or was it it's, it's probably gritty. I mean, like of the, I mean, I made up the distinction, so it would probably be yeah, gritty from the distinction that I made from the distinction I made because I, they were clearly trying to tell an interesting story that was not about what if they kill, like it, you know, they did, but there were interesting choices made. One of the one of the very interesting things about it is Cloak and Dagger. Depending on which comic book series you do, you read it's they are maybe or maybe not romantically involved. On the TV show, they're not romantically involved at all. They're not even, they're not in the slightest bit interested in each other. They've both got other love interests, in fact, and they made that work and it becomes intriguing and interesting. And so instead, this becomes about a platonic, interracial, heterosexual relationship and the ways in which this black boy and this white girl learn to depend on and platonically love each other. And trust each other. They are, you know, they start out not knowing each other and become best friends by the end of the second season. They're just, they're really close. And it's, and it, and seeing them grow together, therefore becomes almost more interesting. It would have been easier to just make them, you know, kiss. It would have been like, that would have been the easier version of the show. So, so I, so, so I think that maybe you get away with doing stuff like that by simply, you know, no one was watching so, so you can just do stuff like that you can just like well hey yeah. you know i think what you just said right that watching them ha- develop a friendship without the excuse of throwing them into bed together it does take more effort and i right. think that's why you know as viewers and can and audience who think critically I think that's why sometimes we get annoyed by edgy is because it Mm -hmm. feels cheap and easy. It feels like you're not you're not dealing with it in a way that's smart, that's sophisticated. Like we're Mm -hmm. not annoyed at the idea of having jokes or treating the subject irreverently or whatever. It's that sometimes it's just it's a dodge. Like I said, with the Superman, that was the thing that I hated is I'm like, okay, is he a Christ figure or not? And I understand, oh, he's supposed to be tortured about how he snapped the guy's neck. Okay, you're telling me he couldn't think of anything else. Nothing else. Yeah, he doesn't even try. Exactly. Well, and because in that section, what it was, Zack Snyder 
wanted to see Superman snap somebody's neck. That's, and he that was the end goal was to get there. So so if you're all in on that, I guess it becomes more interesting to watch the Snyderverse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's a question of the audience, right? Because if that's think about who is excited for that, and that's those are the people excited about the Nightverse. You know what I mean? That is who it's pandering to. Well, and but see, I don't even, and I'm hesitant to even use the word pandering. Yes, it is, but I don't. I like we use the word pandering when we say when we mean marketing to somebody that we don't like. <laughs> and, you know, well, like because I, 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 I yeah. I, I think that it's okay to, I'm just trying to think. So when you have a, when you have a show, because people who are conservative will do, say this too. Well, they're just pandering to the woke mob. Okay. So say they are. So what? Like, why mm-hmm. can't you, like whenever you see somebody saying, Hey, this is just, and I'm trying to think of, there's a lot of shows where they've just made, they've just made this character gay all of a sudden just to pander to the liberals. And then the liberals go, no, they haven't. It's, and I'm like, and the answer is no, that's absolutely why they did it because Hollywood's an industry and they right. thought they could make more money if they had representation for like gay people. So they were like, Hey, why don't we toss a gay character in this so that like gay people will watch our show. That is entirely why they did it. And it is entirely cynical. And so what, what's wrong with that? And if you don't like it, seriously, there are, a million shows on television so much on television you don't have to watch everything like it's it's just fine to it's fine to have things that like you don't not everything not everything needs to be for everybody so i'm okay with pandering to the edgelord crowd to go back to velma the weirdness of velma was i'm not even sure who they're pandering to pandering to mindy kaling individually i guess because it's like hey liberal but also edgy but also not too liberal but also this, and it's just like I get dizzy We're wondering. Fun at liberals, and, and again, uh, I'm yeah. fine with that. Like I'm fine if that's the thing that you want to do. But I just I don't like. I was very confused by the show more than anything. So I don't know. I mean, I'd be really curious to see how it does the second season because they've got me for the first season. I will continue watching it. I will see how it turns out. I don't like. I wonder how well. It will continue to do, particularly after the dust is settled on, you know, whatever HBO Max becomes. We've talked about on the show before that, you know, it's not clear where the future of this streaming platform even lies. So I don't know how I don't know if they can continue to make this a viable, a financially viable show. I don't know if people will stop watching it once they have something better to hate on. You know, I don't see see a lot of even Sarah with your you like it. You're like, hey, it's not the best show. I, you know, I'm enjoying it. Like, it's a lukewarm but slightly positive review, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> yes. What am I doing when I watch it? I am cross-stitching, and it doesn't require a lot of me paying attention. Yeah. And then when I do pay attention. Yeah. And, that, and is that a, and I think the world needs shows like that. There's a lot of shows that I really enjoy. And then there are other shows that are good for me to watch while I'm greedy. Sometimes you need a show that you can get distracted by actual work for a good solid 10 minutes and then look up and you're still right on board. I like shows like that. Thursday, I watch Velma and then Friday, it's Great Bridge Bake Off and they're kind of the same. <laughs> That's fair. Like, uh, okay. And I think 
that's my thing. Like, I'm not looking for this to change the world. Like, I've gone. It's fun background noise. I giggle. I laugh. Like, it makes funny jokes on occasion. And if the jokes are stupid, I'm engaged in something else, you know? Like, I, I guess I just don't see where all the actual vitriol is coming from. <laughs> I mean, part of it is, I think Mindy Kaling's a good target for both sides right now because there's Clearly. things about her. There, Well, there's things about her personally and politically that the alt-right has always hated and then there's other stuff about her personally and politically that the left is kind of not fond of right now either and i've very much been trying to view the show in a vacuum without thinking about her the person at all but i think part of it is just sort of a we're taking down that bitch you know and it's you know yeah. and so i think that's disingenuous but i also think that it became the thing to hate and it became the in vogue thing to, you know, make clickbaity articles about. And it still is. By the time this episode comes out, it's probably cooled down a little bit. But but I think it it is a little bit that. And it was just sort of a, hey, how can we get people to click on my YouTube channel? And Because I think people tried to do it with Wednesday. The Wednesday show on Netflix. There were some think pieces of it's not really that good that came out when it first launched. And then they kind of got drowned out because Wednesday is that good. <laughs> like, I actually really enjoy Wednesday a lot. Now, I don't think Wednesday is the best show ever. I had issues. If I wanted to be critical of Wednesday, I could be critical of Wednesday. But I was delightfully engaged for the entire time. So, you know, I think people sort of miss. There was an attempt there to kind of go, well, why is she doing this? Why is she doing that? And it just didn't take. And then it did take with Velma. So I, I think it's just filling that spot until something else better yeah. comes along to hate i think the world needs a thing to be the hot take machine on the internet and right now velma is it and you know mm -hmm. it used to be tiger king remember when tiger king came out and that was like at the beginning <laughs> of the day. Oh, but I, mean, I think i think tiger king's a good example though right it doesn't say anything exceptionally deep or anything i like i remember a friend of mine saying i don't get it why does everybody love this show because you know the from the little bit of it that i've watched he seems like an awful person. And I'm like, he is, he's an awful person. And there's like, and she's like, Oh, so is he not the good? I'm like, no, he's not. The, he's not the hero. Carol Baskin's the hero. And she's awful too. Like everybody, everybody on tiger King is awful. And there's nothing good about the show. It's just this horrible thing that we're all enjoying together. And that was like the thing for a couple of weeks. And then sometimes there's like, a, there's like a point in the world where like everyone in the world got together and they're like, we're all going to hate Morbius, right? We're all on board. Everybody's cool with that. Okay. And that's, that's what we're doing. Everybody's cool with hating Morbius and no one tells Sony. And then when Sony is, like, oh my God, do you think they're buying it? They're going to release this movie again. Everybody just pretend you like Morbius one more time. And you know, like that was like the thing, right? Can we trick Sony into wasting money on this piece of garbage? And I guess the, you know, yay, the world was brought together and there was peace and harmony for a week. <laughs> so i think so maybe right. velma is a lesser version of that and i don't think it's as bad as morbius is that a stunning endorsement ringing <laughs> endorsement <laughs> yeah Yay. i think i might actually agree with you on that morbius was well <laughs> i yeah. didn't even finish it maybe i will finish morbius but i <laughs> <laughs> I finish it, and I admit I own the DVD because I oh. buy all the comics-based movies. I mean, I just I do because I write papers on them and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, 
yeah, I don't know that I necessarily <laughs> will, or even if I'll ever watch it again. But <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, yeah. So, so we resolve nothing as usual. Yay! Hooray! Actually, I think we've resolved that Velma is both not as bad as many people say it is, but also not that great. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's interesting. Right. And I do think it's interesting that it did hit that sweet spot of, you know, being the main character on the Internet for a couple of weeks. Right. There were. I watched so many YouTube videos about people complaining about it from both sides that were just it was so much a part of the zeitgeist in geek land that you know we've got to talk about this show that we hate i was like i don't know if i want to or not but i've got a podcast i can throw a week at that but so so i think it's interesting that it is you know i guess if our view is anything it's that hey it is possible to have a squarely in the middle opinion on velma which is where Mm. i guess we are (laughs) as opposed to this is awful (laughs) You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to defend it as like a high cinema. And but it's also it just it's just not as crap as people want it to be. So I don't know what I was saying as like a parting statement. I'm surprised at the amount of people who were more upset about Velma than George Santos. <laughs> oh, God, that's yes. That's just depressing. Right. Well, no, see, I see. I would argue that George Santos is possibly the best show on television. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in, 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 in the houseboat wires for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's a fantasy land, but you know, yeah, I so enjoy. You know, as far as unlikable protagonists go, I mean, he is. But I really enjoyed the George Chancel show. <laughs> the George Chancel show is amazing. Oh, ten out of ten. No notes. Like when he when on, on the episode where he unironically becomes a drag queen. Oh, great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> Loved it. I know. Loved everything about it. <laughs> so, yes. Watch God the bless. Santa, Santa okay, <laughs> anyway, thank you both for joining me. So I'm not talking to myself for an hour. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, Nicole, anything to play? They can, you can follow me on, on Twitter. I'm, you know, I mostly post things by people who are funnier than I am. But, you know. <laughs> And Sarah. I still don't understand Twitter after however many years it's been platform. So I will say if you are don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. If you are the kind of person who is interested in taking dead plants and hanging them on your wall in an artistic way, you can find (laughs) me on Ecoboda on Etsy or Ecoboda.com and buy them and support my bad movie habit. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all the same places, at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. And I have, I honestly have no idea what that is. So you should check it out and leave us comments on this or any other show. Suggest topics or just tell us what you thought about what we said on this or any other episode. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and especially if you don't just leave a review, if you like write write a whole review saying something awesome about us, 
that gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank both of my guests for joining me, joining us, joining me, because <laughs> no one else showed up. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.